Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Reminding you to tune in for the Arts Hour. We have in-depth conversations with Mississippi artists, writers, musicians, and other creatives. The Mississippi Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 on MPB Radio or download it as a podcast. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, June 2nd. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, an activist group attempts to reverse the Mississippi Supreme Court's ballot initiative decision. Then, Indian immigrants watch as COVID-19 vaccines go to waste in the U.S. And what postseason baseball means for Mississippi's college towns. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A few weeks ago, the Mississippi Supreme Court decided 6-3 that the state's ballot initiative process is unconstitutional. A constitutional provision governing the process mandates that signatures must be equally gathered from five districts. One of those districts no longer exists. Kelly Jacobs is co-chair of the Mississippi Early Voting Initiative Coalition, or MEVI, which seeks to establish early voting via ballot initiative. Her group wasn't directly involved in the Supreme Court case, but it's now entered the legal fight to overturn the decision. Speaking with our Kobe Vance, Jacobs explains MEVI's strategy. Our attorney, Dita, is a part of our uh, MEVI organization. And so on Friday, she filed two motions. The first motion is an, a motion of intervention because we don't have standing. We're not a party of the lawsuit over ballot initiative 65. And so first she establishes why we have standing to intervene. And then she, we had to come up with arguments that were not discussed in all of the other filings by the various parties on this issue. And so she brought those up in her motion for a rehearing. So that was all filed on Friday at 4 o'clock, and here we are. What was y'all's thoughts whenever Secretary of State Michael Watson said he would not be petitioning the Mississippi Supreme Court for a rehearing of this case? I cried. I just wonder, here's... Here's our Captain America of Mississippi. Defend our vote. 
Uh, we attended the We Are 74 rally on Tuesday. Uh, you know, a lot of people can't come because they're working on a midday on a Tuesday. And yet here were about 200 people who were at this rally. But I was a sponsor of Initiative 48 back in 2000. 2014 and 2015, the very first marijuana initiative. So I know how impassioned Mississippians are to have a lawful way to treat their injuries. And for the Secretary of State, whose entire job is to certify elections, for him not to go and stand up for the Mississippians' vote was just so disheartening. It's like, well, what is your job if not to defend us? And I wanted to ask this. This might be a legal question that you might not know the answer to, so if not, that's fine. (laughs) Um, But when it comes to – if the court does decide to to hear this, um, do you know if it could uh, put a pause on their original ruling and allow you all to continue gathering signatures uh, under the ballot initiative process? Well, that is really interesting, and it's confusing. So right now, the Secretary of State – when Our initiative sponsor, Hester Jackson McCray, spoke with the election attorney, Mr. Kirkpatrick, last Thursday and asked, what is the status of the ballot initiative process? The election attorney did not tell her it's over. You're not collecting signatures. Instead, that attorney told her, as soon as I receive confirmation that the initiative has been properly advertised, I'll be mailing you the certified letter for you to begin collecting signatures. So that is confusing. So the Secretary of State not only told us, Initiative 78, for 10 days of early voting, that we could begin collecting signatures possibly this week, but he also said the same thing to the sponsor of Initiative 77, that he was going to receive his letter and he can begin collecting signatures. But let's look at the big picture here. We look at Initiative 65. They did everything they were supposed to do. They collected all of the signatures they were supposed to, and they were certified by the clerks, and it got on the ballot, and the people voted for it, and they didn't just vote for it, and it didn't get 40% of the vote. They voted for it, and they got 74% of the vote, and then the court said, too bad, and so That's what we have to look forward to, really? Is that what it is? We don't understand how can we collect signatures and get on the ballot, and if if Mississippians want to have 10 days of early voting, can they vote for it, and then it stands up in court? I don't know. The question is when the attorney, uh, when Mr. Kirkpatrick told Hester, well, you'll be collecting for four districts, not five, does he have the authority to change the Constitution and say that it's now four districts, not five, because the Constitution says one-fifth. It doesn't say four districts. So somebody has to fix it. Now, the leg- we have a very strict rule on how our Constitution can be changed, and the legislature is not allowed to change it, and the court is not allowed to change it. So the legislature, if they want to make changes, they have to put it on the ballot so the people also agree. So it's really hard to answer your question because if we look back to 99 years ago when this same Supreme Court, not the members, but the Mississippi Supreme Court invalidated the ballot initiative process then, they did not keep telling people, you can go ahead and collect signatures. We just went 70 years 
without having any ballot initiative process until it was started up again in 1992 and put back on our Constitution. So it's very confusing to know what to do. Kelly Jacobs is co-chair of Mississippi Early Voting Initiative Number 78. Kelly Jacobs, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. To better understand the situation, we talked to Matt Steffi, a professor of law at Mississippi College School of Law. He says Mevi has a theoretically legitimate, though convoluted, path to victory, but the group's position is still pretty unorthodox. It's an unusual thing to see a party seek to get involved in a case at the rehearing stage, particularly at the appellate rehearing stage. An outsider to the lawsuit, so to speak, uh, this is, uh, as uh, you know, a, a lawsuit between the mayor of Madison and the secretary of state. Uh, it's a long shot. It, there's no question it's a long shot. It is in football jargon, a Hail Mary, but it is not unprecedented. The Mississippi Supreme Court has recognized the idea of appellate intervention. Appellate intervention at this late stage is is a tough sell. It's a tough sell. Rehearings are frequently filed and rarely granted, rarely successful. Even when they are successful, they rarely change the outcome, right? So what happens sometimes on rehearing is they're just denied uh, as a matter of course. That's the most frequent disposition. Sometimes they are, of course, granted. And often, that again doesn't change the outcome in the case, but may change some particular reference legally or factually in the opinion. Uh, It is quite unusual for a court to grant a, uh, a motion for rehearing and actually change the outcome of the case. In this instance, that would require not just one, but two justices to change their views. Uh, Rehearings in the rare instances that they are successful in changing the outcome are usually in 5-4 cases, cases where the court is almost evenly split. Kelly Jacobs says that if Mevi's petition is unsuccessful, her organization will continue to pursue the reinstatement of the initiative process via other means. Coming up, vaccines, fear, and the immigrant experience. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. While the rate of coronavirus infections has slowed down in the United States, many other countries are struggling with high hospitalizations and low vaccine supply. Meanwhile, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Alabama are finding it difficult to convince people to get vaccinated. Shalina Chatlani of the Gulf States Newsroom talked with Indian immigrants who are concerned about their families and friends abroad. At her home in Madison, Mississippi, Amrit Sud opens up Facebook on her phone. She scrolls to a friend's post, one of many that have been flooding her social media. She lives in Mississippi, and her aunt is in Delhi, and she needed a ventilator, and she's asking, do you know where to get it? 
When the pandemic broke out, India didn't experience a large wave of coronavirus deaths. But now, thousands of people are dying each day. Sudh has lost nearly a dozen family members in India. I can't keep up with the numbers, and it's hard to imagine if I go back. Sudh has lived in Mississippi for 45 years and feels helpless being so far away, while vaccines where she lives go to waste. Mississippi, Louisiana, and Alabama have the lowest vaccination rates in the country. Last month, Mississippi's health officer, Thomas Dobbs, said the department is advising doctors to open up a package of vaccines, even if some of it may go to waste. If you have somebody in front of you who needs a a vaccine, go ahead and use what you got. But we know that we're at a point where there will be some wastage. It is frustrating. Sudh got her vaccine in February, but in Mississippi, health officials say about 5,000 doses have been wasted as of May 25th. In Louisiana, roughly 12,000. Alabama reported just over 400 vaccines wasted. I feel sad that in the third world, they wanted those shots and they cannot get it. There's a shortage of everything from beds to oxygen in India. It sold most of the vaccines it produced to other countries. Now just 12 percent of its own population is vaccinated. In May, President Biden announced that the U.S. would send 20 million vaccine doses abroad. In the meantime, families here watch as friends and loved ones die. Mississippi-based immigration lawyer Patricia Ice says this is something her clients deal with beyond the pandemic. I've had so many clients whose parents have died overseas and they couldn't leave because they didn't have papers. That's been going on since I started doing this work. In her two decades of practice, ICE has seen clients from India, Yemen, Vietnam, Mexico, and other Latin American nations. Census data show there are over 430,000 foreign-born residents across the Gulf South. Some immigrants have jumped at getting the vaccine, but hesitancy can also affect them too especially in places like Mississippi. If the governor is telling you that it's really not that important to get the vaccine, some immigrants are listening to the government. Her law firm has held events to ease concerns or help clients get shots. And then you turn it on. Some Indians in Mississippi are taking matters into their own hands to get supplies to people abroad who need them. Dr. Udaya Shivangi is a sleep medicine specialist in Ridgeland, Mississippi. This is oxygen concentrated. When you plug it in, it uses the room air, so it uh, makes the oxygen. Shivangi is involved in the American Association of the Physicians of Indian Origin. This group has been sending pulse monitoring devices and oxygen-producing machines to India. We have already sent concentrators 1,000 units, and we are sending next 1,000 units as soon as possible. This has become a popular idea, and she says this type of equipment was backordered. Other individuals are trying to send this equipment to their families, sorting through high international shipping costs and complicated procedures. Somehow we need to help India first or any other country who may need in future. Countries like Vietnam and Nigeria have only been able to vaccinate 1% of their population. Others like Nepal have extended lockdowns. President Biden hopes to ship out vaccines internationally by the end of June. For the Gulf States Newsroom, I'm Shalina Chetlani.
The Gulf States Newsroom is a partnership between WWNO in New Orleans, WBHM in Birmingham, and Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Coming up, officials in Starkville and Oxford hope college fans will buy more than just peanuts and Cracker Jacks when they head out to the ball game. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The NCAA Baseball Championship is back after the COVID-19 pandemic shuttered last year's postseason. And here's a sign we're really getting back to normal. Mississippi teams are once again right in the thick of things. Both Ole Miss and Mississippi State qualified to host regional tournaments, so they'll welcome tens of thousands of baseball fans to the Magnolia State for a weekend of collegiate competition. Lynn Spruill is the mayor of Starkville, Mississippi, home to Mississippi State. She tells our Rob Lane her town is looking forward to the tournament's economic tailwind, especially after a year without baseball. We always miss having the opportunity to host guests and to be a part of the athletic scene that Mississippi brings to our community because it's very important to our uh, residents and to our students. And who are also, you know, residents. And so uh, we're delighted that, that it's back, and we're also incredibly pleased that Mississippi State is, uh, is doing well and is in the top eight seed. So we're looking forward to a regional and followed by a super regional and hopefully followed by going up to Omaha. So um, we're very optimistic and very excited. Over the past few weeks, there have been a lot of anecdotal reports that tourism in the United States is experiencing a bit of a boom do you potentially expect more visitors this year than you might have seen in prior seasons just because we've got sort of a national case of cabin fever with restrictions lifting? It would not surprise me, although I have to tell you, we are often just filled to capacity because Mississippi State baseball is great and Duty Noble is the you know Carnegie Hall of college baseball, so people want to be here. So I think we will be full, but I would have expected us to be full uh, no matter what. But I do think that there will be people with that feeling of needing to get out, and we may even, you know, see some folks just hanging around who might not be able to get tickets just because the atmosphere is so wonderful. And typically on on a more traditional year, what's a normal revenue estimate for, say, a weekend of tournament play in terms of uh, tourism revenue? Well, to be perfectly frank, we really have never been able to calculate it because it always runs about two months late, and sometimes that reporting is is lost in the in the dynamic of all of that because the way the sales tax is reported. But it is always a boost. We can tell, you know, when we have had a football game or we've had a baseball game, we can we can tell. But it's extremely difficult to tell. Uh, exactly what is attributable one to the other because it does tend to spread out a little bit more than you might imagine. You know, you'd love to see a big old spike that says, yep, this is what it brought in for us, but we've never really been able to get a good track on that. So I just know from uh, intu- intuition, intuitively and anecdotally, when when my the stores tell us that they've been busy and the sales have been good and the restaurants tell us they're full and they're, you know, they've got an hour wait list, we know that uh, we know that things are going on. 
So we will look forward to that bump that comes with it. Obviously, baseball fans are going to be spending their money at the ballpark on tickets and concessions and merchandise and the like. But obviously, your hope would be that they also spend money in Starkville. And I'm curious if you have a sense for which kinds of establishments visitors who come to Starkville for a baseball tournament favor, what kinds of places they frequent, what activities they get up to? Well, they they favor uh, restaurants uh, in particular, and obviously our hotels are uh, always an important element. And that was they were the the industry that suffered the most during the pandemic. Then pandemic, the hotels, the hotels were, and they're just now coming back. Our restaurants did uh, very well by adapting to uh, takeout and to go orders and that sort of thing. But the hotels had no real backup opportunity, so. They're very uh, excited about this, and I think that the hotel um, industry will will be benefited greatly. Our restaurants will be, and we've got some boutique shops that I feel sure will enjoy that. And, you know, people in a lot of cases will bring RVs, and they will stay at Airbnbs here in town. And when they do that, then our Kroger, our, our grocery stores, our um, gas stations all benefit by just the traffic coming into town. So. It's a, it's a wide-ranging uh, positive effect. If you had to look into a crystal ball, do you think the team can, uh, can bring a national championship to Starkville? Oh, I absolutely think they have the capability. Um, it's like anything else, though. Sometimes the, you know, the, the tides are against you, but I, I know the talent is there. So I'm, I'm very, very optimistic and hopeful and expect us to perform very well because we've got a really talented team. Mary Spurl, thank you so much for your time. A few hours north in Oxford, Tanya Thornton is also looking forward to the tournament. She's a sales and marketing manager with the town's tourism department, and she says Ole Miss baseball could re-energize the town's slumping hospitality sector. We are very excited that Ole Miss will be hosting um, the baseball regional this weekend in Oxford. Um, and it's always a great opportunity to get people here to showcase the town. But by hosting regionals, it provides a, a great boost to local businesses, especially um, over the past year. They've been struggling post-pandemic. And historically, summer is the slower time in Oxford for hotels and restaurants. So anytime we can get something as big as regionals, it can really translate to a large impact on our local economy. And that's for Ole fans as well as you know the other three teams that are in the regional have great fan bases. And, you know, we really think they'll have a good number of people that travel to Oxford to cheer them on and um, will hopefully have a great experience here in Oxford. You mentioned the pandemic a bit. Can you tell us a little bit more about how the loss of Ole Miss athletics in general was sort of felt by the town throughout 2020? Yes. So, um, you know, having not had baseball in the spring of 2020 you know it stopped basically at the first sec baseball game um that obviously had a a huge impact on local taxes and hotels and restaurants but you know even more than that probably was in the fall season um more typically you know 65,000 people are in the stadium um you know that was down to 15,000 and the numbers that we got from, you know, hotel um, lodging taxes was down tremendously from, you know, year prior, and same with the food and beverage tax as well. 
Um, we haven't seen as much of a dip in the food and beverage stock as much as the hotel. Um, and we typically have seen that when people are traveling to Oxford, this was, you know, of course, back, back in the fall that, you know, maybe they were staying at a friend's condo or they felt more comfortable staying at an Airbnb or VRBO. Um, so the impact was still greater on the hotels than kind of the, the food and beverage side. Do you believe that the uh, the Rebels can bring a college baseball championship to the state of Mississippi? I believe that they can bring um, a national title to the state of Mississippi in baseball. Um, we were thrilled that the women's golf team was just able to accomplish that last week and have every faith in our in our baseball boys to do the same. Nadia Thornton is a sales and marketing manager with Visit Oxford. Nadia, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Have a great day. The tournament begins Friday when Mississippi State faces Samford and Ole Miss takes on Southeast Missouri State. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.